Good morning. Come on, give me a good morning. Good morning. Anybody here ever have nightmares? Anybody have nightmares? It's like two of you. My nightmare is I'm up here preaching and I share, does anyone have nightmares? And everybody looks back and goes, no, we don't have nightmares. We don't have any nightmares. No nightmares at all. I actually do have, anybody have job-related nightmares? Like I, when I was a waiter, I used to have nightmares about waiting tables. And when, now that I'm a preacher, I have nightmares about being a preacher and standing up here on stage. And I look down and I'm in my underwear. And it's my Spider-Man underwear. And that's awkward for everybody. Uh, so let me ask this question. Guys, do you ever get in trouble for something that you did in your wife's dream? Does that ever happen to you? They have a bad dream, and you get in trouble for whatever, they, whatever happened in the bad dream. And, and it's like your wife comes to you, and she says, she says, you know, I had a horrible dream last night. I had a terrible dream last night. Do you want to hear about it? No, not really. <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to tell you about it. I was running through the forest, and there was a grizzly bear, and he was chasing me, and he had the teeth, and he was snarling, and I was running through the forest, and you didn't do anything. You did nothing to help me. I'm sorry? Right? Right? You sat there and do, didn't do anything. Well, what was I doing? You were playing poker with a rabbit. And that's so like you. You would. You would play poker with a rabbit instead of saving me from a grizzly bear. That's exactly like you. That's how you are. Luckily, a giant unicorn came and saved me because you didn't do anything. Anybody ever been in trouble for something you did? No? Just me? Okay, good. Um... Let me ask you a question How about this. You ever have a nightmare and then you share it with somebody and they try to one-up a nightmare over your nightmare? And they're like, oh, you think that's a nightmare? One time when I was 13, I was fighting with a kangaroo. And we were fighting and the kangaroo is headbutting me and he's beating me up brutally. And, and the whole time that I'm having this fight, someone is throwing lunch meat at me. It's like turkey and ham and salami is being thrown at me. And I look over and... Where the, the person throwing it is, is this weird, scary ventriloquist doll. And the ventriloquist doll, instead of eyes, has spiders that are crawling out of its eyeballs. Okay, you win. Yours is worse. Also, you should see a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you about a nightmare. I want to tell you about a nightmare, and sometimes I think we read scripture in church, and we read a story, and we don't put ourselves in the story. You need to put yourselves in the story. We go to church, we read the passage, we fill in the blanks, and then we say, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know, where you want to go to lunch? And you're, for the love of God, just pick someplace, right? So I want you to put yourself in the story today, right? Because this story, when you read it, you think, wow, this is a nightmare, Glenn introduced last week the, the book of Daniel, and we're studying the book of Daniel, and in Daniel, Daniel and his friends are carried off into Babylon. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says it this way, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and what? Say it like you mean it. Besieged it. Two words. Those two words are a nightmare. Let me tell you what that means. It means a foreign army came into their land, stormed through their land, took their land, took their homes, razed towns, burned the villages, and killed anyone who resisted. This is an invasion, a military invasion, an occupation. This is Ukraine. 
Like you see stories coming out of Ukraine and you're like, wow, they are just advancing through these people's land. And you think, wow, that is crazy. Now, imagine for a second that that happened here. Imagine that here there were missiles streaking across the sky. Imagine here that, that helicopters were overhead and drones were flying by. Tanks are advancing. But America has no idea about this. It's never happened here, not for 250 years, not on our soil. But what if it did? What's going on here, my friend? Any children of the 80s remember Red Dawn? Red Dawn. This movie scared us all to death, right? If you've seen the movie Red Dawn in the 80s, Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen led a group of high schoolers who basically fought back against a Russian invasion and occupation. And so they were fighting back against all of... It was basically a land invasion of the United States. In 2012, they made a remake of this with Thor. Anybody see the 2012 version of this? Am I the only one that watches movies around here? I, I don't know about you, but I'm more comfortable with Thor leading the invasion than Patrick Swayze. Anybody else? If I need dirty dancing, I'll talk to Patrick Swayze. If I need someone to lead the rebellion, it's Thor. But, but in 2012, they redid this movie, and they did it with the North Koreans invading, right? Now, I want you to imagine this. What if it happened here? What if you were removed from your home, or they just burned it to the ground, right? What if, what if you woke up, and when you walked outside, you saw this? doesn't matter anymore. Your career doesn't matter anymore. In fact, you'd be so afraid to be like, what's happening next? Will they take my kids? And, and is this, if this actually happened, you'd be saying, you'd be screaming out to God. You'd be like, God, where are you? Like, God, what are you doing? God, why, why is this happening? Why is this happening to us, right? And this isn't Red Dawn. Patrick Swayze or Thor isn't coming to help us. I want you to imagine that America is subdued. America is over, like completely lost. Can you imagine what that would be like, right? It, it's, it's almost impossible for us as Americans to imagine this. But let me tell you something. In Europe, they know what this is about. In World War II, these countries that ran through Europe ran through them again and again. I spent some time in Poland, and there were, they just ran over Poland and overtook it. And then after World War I, Poland was its own place again. And then in World War II, they just ran over it again and took it. And I want us to get in the mindset of what would happen, because we read Daniel from the viewpoint of a, a superpower. We have been the most feared military for the last 80 years right here in America, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, is you think nobody would breach these shores because every guy in America with a pickup truck has three guns, right? Listen, we could talk all about gun control and the Second Amendment, but honestly, I heard a, a comedian say one time, we got a bunch of good old boys in the South that have been waiting for that since 1776. Like, they're ready for it. And so it's hard for us to imagine it, but imagine if we lose, we lose completely, 
and the Russians or the North Koreans, or I guess it's the Russians again now, uh, would, would carry off these young men, the best and the brightest of our, of our society, and they took them back to their home country, and you are carried away, or your son is carried away, or your brother is carried away, just gone for good. That's a nightmare. Can we agree that? That's a nightmare situation that is happening right now to the people of God. And when you get there, you're in this new land, everything around you is foreign, and you've been carried off from your home and your families, you get a message from a prophet of God, and it says this in Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the what? All the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. What does he say? Build homes and... Plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and what? Prosperity of Babylon? These people who raided us and took everything? Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And he's saying, settle in. You're going to be here a while. You've been carried off from your home, and you've been living as a captive in a place that is totally against everything you believe in and everything you stand for. And you're not going anywhere. This is a nightmare. Can we agree? This would be a nightmare situation if it actually happened to you. You're living in a nightmare, and every day you wake up to the same nightmare. Now, As we look at Daniel, the primary purpose of the book of Daniel is to provide hope and encouragement for people that are struggling to live in a hostile culture. That's what they're doing in Babylon. The stories about Daniel and his buddies are about how to resist the attacks of a culture that is trying to strip you of your identity and make you over in its image. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Our culture is sliding away from God. Our culture is moving away from God's kingdom. If you read the headlines, if you listen to your coworkers, the moment you say something that is you believe in in a biblical worldview, you get canceled. That's what's happening. We are living in ba- we are more and more living in Babylon right here, right here. And the stories of Daniel reveal that God hasn't forgotten us. God hasn't forgotten them, and He's still guiding things and He's working them out. And the trick is to trust him and remain faithful even in Babylon. In fact, the big picture is this. In spite of current appearances, God is still in control. God is still in control. So that's the setup. Let's jump into uh, Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to start with this king of this conquering nation, King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what it says here. It's a king's nightmare is what it begins with. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a what? Had such... He had such what? You got to preach with me or else I won't do it. Disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. And he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that what? It deeply troubles me. And I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic. They said, long live the king. What do they say? Tell us the dream and we will what? And we'll tell you what it means. So, 
Neb's, the Nebster, Nebi, Nebdog. I cannot, Nebuchadnezzar is the worst name ever. Can we just agree with that? Who names your kid Neb, Nebuchadnezzar? Like if you're mad at your kid, you don't use middle names. You just say the whole thing, Nebuchadnezzar. I got to shorten it a little bit or else I'm not going to get through today, okay? So in the middle of Nebuchadnezzar is the name Chad. So I'm going to call him, no, Chad's stupid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it, uh, I'm going to call him Nebi. Nebi, Nebi the Nebmaster. All right, here we go. So Nebi wakes up in a cold sweat. And he's had that dream again, that dream that you wake up from and you're, you're, you know, it rattles you and you wake up with a gasp and, and you're like, oh, oh, it's that dream, it's that dream, I've had that dream again. And it, no, it's not a dream, it's a nightmare. And so I hope you'll read all of chapter two. I gotta summarize some pieces in order to get through it today. But this is what happens next, is the king says to his advisors, hey, somebody needs to tell me what this means. So Nebi says, tell me the dream and tell me what it means. And that's pretty smart when you think about it, right? This is pretty smart because he says, and then he basically says, listen, guys, I'm not playing here. You don't tell me the dream and tell me what it means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear you limb from limb. I'm going to kill you all. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise your houses. I'm going to break them down to the ground. You tell me what this means. If you tell me, I'm going to hook you up, bling, bling, and everything that you ever wanted. But if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you all. And, and they say back to the king, king, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't get this, do you? He says, basically, if you can't tell me the dream, how in the world can I believe what you tell me it means? So they, so they say, all of them say, and basically these, these, these enchanters, these advisors, basically say, hey, no one anywhere can do what you're asking. It's impossible. And he says, you better tell me or go, I'm going to assassinate all of you. Which I'm like, whoa, 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 like Nebuchadnezzar, overreact much? Like, take it easy, fella. And, and the funny thing about it is, as you get to a dream interpretation, you think about this is, anyone can hear a dream and make an interpretation that will make the king feel good, right? Like, like any of us could do that. You could, you could tell him what he wants to hear. That's like, even a bad psychic can do that, right? It's like if you call, here's what, here's what he's saying. If you were to call the psychic hotline right now, and as you were on the phone with the psychic hotline, they were like, hey, give us your credit card number, and you rattle off your credit card number, and then they're like, and turn over the code, and on the back, we need the three-digit security code, and your response is, why don't you tell me the three-digit security code? <laughs> Thinking of a number right now, it's a three-digit number, all you got to do is come up with the security code, and you can have it, right? Uh, but if you can't do that, then why in the world would I listen to any psychic thing that you have to say about that, Right? And so the same thing was true with dreams. In fact, I found this thing online this week. There is a, artificial intelligence will do this now. I don't know if anybody knows about this. Artificial intelligence is weird and it's crazy and it's taking over the world. There's a place online called Dream Interpreter AI. And you type in your dream and the dream interpreting AI will tell you what it means. In fact, it will generate an image. So I typed in this dream, very common dream, I'm falling off a cliff, but I never hit the ground. It generated this picture, and then it told me this. Dreams about falling can be quite common and usually indicate a sense of loss or control in our waking life or a fear of failure and insecurity. However, in your dream, you never hit the ground after falling off the cliff. This could symbolize that there may be a situation in your life that you perceive to be dangerous or uncertain, but you'll successfully overcome it. Well, of course I will. <laughs> you might feel as though you're about to fail, but you'll find a way to prevent the negative outcome from happening. Go me. 
This dream can be interpreted as a sign of resilience. Yes, courage, of course, and adaptability in the face of adversity. I rock. (laughs) Nevertheless, it is vital to face your fears and gain a sense of balance in your life to prevent falling off the edge. That'll be $2, please, right? You know? Uh, and so you could, it's easy to come up with a dream interpretation if you know the dream, right? It's like they had a little yellow book that said dream interpretation for dummies, you know? And you open it up and you just tell the king what he wants to hear. But Nebi wasn't having any of that. Listen to what happens. The king was what? Furious. Furious. And when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be what? Executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill who? Daniel and his friends. And when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him that all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Now, I'm going to get into this a little deeper a little bit later here, but I want you to see how Daniel handled this situation. And get this, surviving in Babylon requires wisdom. Even for us, surviving in Babylon requires wisdom. Daniel doesn't panic. He says calmly, man, why is the king tripping? What is the king's problem? What's going on right now with the king? What's going on up there? He's going to kill all the advisors, not just me. He's going to kill everyone. Like, what's happening? And he says, let me go talk to him. I'll talk to him. I can get through to him. As Christians, living in a culture that is sliding away from God, living in our own version of Babylon today, here and now, our world is getting more and more crazy and extreme. It's getting crazier and crazier all the time. And as culture slides farther and farther away from God, farther and farther away from God's word, farther and farther away from God's kingdom, We are going to have to be wise in the way we deal with the culture around us. Because let me tell you something. The culture around us is coming for us. It is coming for people that will hold on to God's word and to the the things that we see are true in God's word. And we are going to have to be wise in the way we deal with the culture around us. And it was coming for Daniel too, and that's how he handled it. So let's look at Daniel's dream, which is the answer to Nebi's nightmare. Here's, here's what it says as we continue on in Daniel 2. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. You may know them better by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that is their Babylonian names. These are their Hebrew names. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. So they would not be what? It's a good prayer. So we would not be executed along the way, and the, along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel, what did he do? Praise the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. Get this. He removes kings, and he sets up what? other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in the darkness, though he is surrounded by light. He says, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us 
what the king demanded. Now, here's what I want you to get out of this. Ready? God is in control even in Babylon. God is in control even in Babylon. Nations will fall. Nations will rise and they will fall. Kings and rulers and dictators may be evil and even commit atrocities even against God's people, but God is still sitting on the throne. God allows kings to rise to power, but he also brings kings down. And we might look at the world and think, God, what is happening right now? I don't, I don't even know what you're up to, God, anymore. But we can trust he is still in control. Now, I'm going to say something right now that somebody needs to hear today, but somebody's going to be angry about it, and I'm okay with that. I can live with that. So are you all ready? You're going to be okay with this? Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who wins the election in 2024. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God, and, and, and some of you are like, oh, did he say that? And you're right. You're starting your email right now. You know what? I, I, know, I know what's going on. Uh, but let me just reread to you the passage that I just did. He controls the course of world events. And he removes kings and sets up other kings. I was having a conversation recently, and we were talking about this, and I just, oh my gosh, heaven help us if we have to choose between Trump and Biden again. Like, I'm just like, oh, gosh, I just I don't want any part of that. I just don't want to have to wade into that in any way, shape, or form. i got to be honest with you. In the last eight years, I have not been able to vote for a major party candidate in eight years. I always have to write in a candidate. Last time it was Glenn Barnes. That's what I wrote in. I was just like, but Glenn has never taken his candidacy seriously, and so I don't know what to do about that. But I'm going to give you a news flash. News flash here. The United States of America is not God's chosen people. It's not God's chosen people. You want to debate me on it? I'd be glad to talk to you about that. God's chosen people have been well established. It's not them. And God doesn't have an American political party. He doesn't. And if you're more identified by your political party than your faith in Jesus Christ, you are messed up. If you, are, if you identify more with, with your politics than you do with the kingdom of God, then you are bowing down to the wrong kingdom. I'm telling you right now, I, there I said it. But listen, the root of that is God is in control. He's not freaked out by any of this. No matter who is in the White House, no matter who is in the Kremlin, no matter who is in charge of the People's Republic of China, God is sitting on the throne. He's not upset. He's not worried. He knows what to do. And this was true of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, which was a world power at the time. And, and, and he's trying to murder his royal court. And Daniel's saying, thank God that you're still in charge. So look at what happens here, because the king's nightmare gets revealed in the story here. And, and so we see in Daniel chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. And then I want you to get this phrase because it leaps off the page at me. But what? But what? One more time. But what? There's a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. I got to be honest with you, sometimes as people of faith, we don't operate as if there is a God in heaven. Sometimes you get to a point where you, 
You just believe, I, I just got to try this and I'll do that. And you get to a place where all your human strategies have failed and you've tried everything you can think of and you're out of options and you're out of time and you're out of idea. And then finally you go, but there is a God in heaven. But there is a God in heaven. You tried everything you can think of to fix that relationship and make that relationship work, right? You've tried to fix what's broken. You've, you've tried to reconcile. You've, you've been to counseling and you feel like there's no hope. Listen, but there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven and he's sitting on the throne and his power goes way beyond where your power goes. His power is much bigger than your power. You tried everything you can think of to straighten that kid out, right? And, and, and you've taught them everything you know, and you've read all the parenting books, and you've been to the seminars, and, and you told them the consequences of their choices, and you can still see they are just headed for a train wreck, and you can't seem to stop it. And there's nothing left that you know what to do, but there is a God in heaven. When it seems impossible, there's a God in heaven. You tried to overcome that addiction, Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, you've gone to the meetings, you've, you've, you're white-knuckling it so hard you can't feel your hands anymore, right? And you failed again and again and again and again. And you start to think, man, what's the point? I'm always going to be a slave to this. But, that's a big but, but there's a God in heaven who can do this. And we got to go to him. And, and, and you've been, maybe you find fighting a health battle and, and you've listened to all the doctors and you've gotten the second opinions and you've been on Google and WebMD and you've searched it 85,000 times and, and you're starting to think you've taken the pills and you've done the treatments and you've changed your diet and nothing's working and you are at the end of your rope and you're at the end of your hope. Let me tell you something, but there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven who can do these things. And so many of us too often are operating like God isn't sitting on the throne. Like he's, like he's taking a coffee break, like he's, nobody's minding the shop. Listen, there is a God in heaven. And I want you to listen to what Daniel says. His life is on the line. They're going to assassinate him. And this is what he says. In your vision, your majesty... You saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. And as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. And then the whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. And then the wind blew them away without a trace like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Right? 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 Is that, is that the dream? Is that the dream, Neb? Is that it? Can you imagine what it's like to recite off this crazy dream and wonder if you're right? And he says, that was the dream. And now we will tell the king what it means. And so I want you to see, you know, this, this dream come to life a little bit. And so there's this statue. And he says, hey, you're the greatest king in the world. You're the greatest king in the world right now. You are the head of gold. You're the head of gold, but you're not going to live forever. 
And after your kingdom, there will be, this statue is ripped, it's been working out. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, after you, there's gonna be another kingdom, not quite as powerful as yours. It's gonna be in silver, and then another one will rule the world, and that one will be in bronze, the, the, the torso and thighs, and then another one as strong as iron. You'll see in the legs. And that, that empire is going to crush all previous empires. And then there'll be another kingdom that's represented by the feet. And that kingdom is, will be a divided kingdom. It's going to be a mixture of both iron and clay. You can see it down there on the feet. And it will be a, a divided kingdom. It won't hold together just like clay and iron don't mix. And so... For those of you who are sort of the, the history and prophecy buffs, let, let's jump into this. Here it is. Here's the statue. The head of gold represents Babylon. Babylon was the current empire that Nebuchadnezzar was the head of. And that's in verse 37 and 38. The chest and arms of silver are the Medo-Persian empire. It's the Medo-Persian empire, the Medes and the Persians. In fact, we see this in Daniel chapter 5. We'll get to that uh, before we're done here. The belly and thighs of bronze, most scholars would say that represents Greece, the kingdom of Greece that came after that. And then the legs of iron, most scholars would say that represented Rome. And you remember Rome ruled the whole world at one point, right? And then lastly is these feet of iron and clay, which represent a divided kingdom. And, and some of you right now, if you're a History Channel buff or you're into prophecy and revelation, you're freaking out right now like, this is so cool. I want, what, are, what are those last kingdoms? What do they represent? What are they? Whatever. And does it represent nations now? And what nations are they? And, and what's going to happen? Listen, this is ambiguous, sort of intentionally. And so most people have been trying to figure this out. But I'll tell you what's going to happen because Daniel told us what's going to happen. And listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. It says, During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will what? It will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all those kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand how long? It's going to stand forever. And that is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain. Though not by human hands, born of a virgin right? That crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. And so we see the second half of this dream is this rock, like he's dreaming about this statue, right? And then this rock comes off of the mountain without human hands, and it crushes this statue into pieces, starting with the feet and then rippling down so that everything is destroyed completely. Here's the thing. Get this. Jesus is the rock and the mountain is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the rock and the mountain is the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21. It says this. Then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The what? Stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Jesus is the rock. And this mountain that grows out of the rock is the kingdom of God that has been spreading ever since. It started in Jerusalem and moved to Judea and Samaria and throughout all the earth, right? And so the point of all of this is this. Kingdoms won't last. 
Only God's kingdom will last forever. Kingdoms won't last. These kingdoms that have come and gone, they're not gonna last. Only God's kingdom will last forever. Those with power may think they can do what they like, but they're wrong. They're wrong. God decide, if God decides your time is up, your time is up, baby. That's it. It's over. Nations and kingdoms will rise and fall and be replaced with others, and they may conquer everything in their path, right? Rule the world. But eventually, they will all fall down, and they will bow to Jesus the rock. They will all bow to Jesus the rock, and they will marvel at the mountain of the kingdom of God that covers the earth. Let me tell you something. Communism has tried to snuff out Christianity in places like Russia and China, but the church is still there. Islam has tried to push down Christianity in the Middle East, but in places like Iran and Iraq, there are still believers that are meeting today. The mountain continues to spread, right? Um, Grand cathedrals, I have been in them in Europe, they stand empty, but there are still believers meeting in Europe. Um, You know, the church is alive and well in places like South America and Asia and Africa. In fact, I read this week that there are more Christians in Africa now than there were in all of Europe, than there are in all of Europe. And get this, in 1970, there were no legally functioning churches in China. But it is estimated that today, there are more practicing Christians in China than all of the United States of America. And there's some people, historians and and people who study this stuff, that these experts predict that by 2050, China will be a majority Christian nation. And the mountain continues to spread from east to west, from north to south, from cities to suburbs, from towns to villages. The church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, is here to stay, people. That's what's going to happen. If I don't get an amen out of somebody... I'm going to, okay, good. And listen what happens to Daniel. Listen what happens to Daniel. Then the king appointed who? To a what? And he gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all of his wise men. Now, this is the part that really gets me and may mess with you. Most people believe that when this happened to Daniel, he was about 17 years old. About 17 years old. I want you to picture this. A 17-year-old Jewish kid who had been carried off into captivity is now the head over Babylon and the chief of Nebuchadnezzar's staff. Pretty crazy, right? And that leads me to... So what, Steve? How do we make sense of this? How does this make sense for our world? Obviously, this idea that God is in control of the nations is a big picture thing. But I've been wrestling with this, and so I want to ask you sort of the more personal question. Listen, what do you do when you're faced with a nightmare situation? What do you do when you're put into a position of a nightmare situation? Like, what is your nightmare right now? I want us to learn a few lessons from a 17-year-old kid who was put into this exact situation. And I'm going to blaze through these, but here's the first thing. Don't panic. Man, don't panic. When you get the news, don't panic about it, right? Daniel had a reason to panic. The government had sent assassins to kill him. Daniel is not Jason Bourne, okay? But he could have panicked in this situation, right? He's 17 years old. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever it is, there is no value in freaking out. 
It just doesn't help. So don't panic. Just chill. This may be a nightmare for you. I'm not trying to minimize it. But this is easy for God, whatever it is. And so you've got to act like it. And then secondly, we see that Daniel, get the facts. Get the facts. Find out what's going on. Daniel asked why. Why is this happening? Who's causing this? The king, get this, King Nebuchadnezzar is terrified. He is so afraid of this dream. And he's taking it out on his entire royal court of advisors. And, and Daniel's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is the king so afraid that he's ordering assassinations, like of his own people? Like, what's happening here? Get the facts. Don't make the decisions based solely on your emotions. Oh my gosh, I've said this over and over again. People say all the time, well, I just feel like, I just feel like. Emotions and fear will lie to you. You have got to get above that and get the facts and find out what's going on. What do I need to know to do what God is calling me to do? What do I need to know? Find out first. Get as many facts as you can. And then slow down. Slow down. Like, just take a second. He, Daniel asked for some time to come up with a solution to the king. And, and in a crisis, the greatest temptation we have is to be impulsive. I don't know about you, but when I'm faced with a terrible situation in front of me, I just want to make a decision right now because I want it to be over with. I just want it to be over with. Let's get it over with. You make so many bad decisions in that moment. So many bad decisions. You want to see a situation go from bad to worse real fast? Make an impulsive decision. It is better to make a good decision than to make a quick decision. Get this. A bad decision will still be a bad decision whenever you make it, okay? So you got time with the bad decisions, right? But take a deep breath, calm down, and talk to God. Say, God, what do you want me to do? And now I want you to notice this because he asked for more time, but the scripture says he went at once to see the king. And so I want to make sure that we frame this properly. Like he's 17. First of all, Daniel's 17. He's like, take me to the king. I'll go see the king. Who, what 17-year-old says that? But he goes to the king and he's obviously got enough standing that he can get in front of the king, right? But this is not about procrastination. Daniel went right away to the king. Many of us know we've got a nightmare situation in front of us and and you haven't faced it head on. You're just not facing it. You're procrastinating, right? And you've got something like that in your life and you know what you should do. It's obvious what you should do. God has made it obvious what you should do. And you're still like, well, maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. Maybe if I just, you cannot do that. You can slow down and not procrastinate at the same time, right? You know what you need to do. What are you pretending like is not a problem in your, in your world? What are you pretending doesn't matter? But you know you know what you're supposed to do. I mean, if you've got cancer, for the love of God, go get the treatments. If, if, you're, if your marriage is failing, go get some counseling. This is not rocket science, right? If you've got addictions, go get some help. Don't just say, well, I'm just slowing down. You gotta do something about it. And then... Get your friends to pray. Get your friends to pray. Um, he immediately goes to his buddies and, and he says, I need you guys to pray about this with me. And Daniel's going to stay up all night praying himself, right? The king's about to kill him. But he's not just about to kill him. He's about to kill all these advisors, right? So he sends a text to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and says, hey, you guys, you got to pray. You ever get that really long text from somebody? And you're like, uh-oh. You know what I mean? You get a normal text and then you get the and you're like, uh-oh. And it starts at the top and it says, hey, I need you to pray. And you thumb through it and you read the whole story and you begin to pray. I don't know who it is that you can go to to ask to pray for you, but if you don't have those people, you need those people. 
You need five people that you can text when your nightmare hits and they will pray for you and pray along with you on whatever it is. One of the great places to get this is in a community group. In fact, it was just this last week we got one of those texts that went, and I knew, and, and, and we began to pray for this situation for somebody in our community group. And it's so easy to pray for people that have been in your living room every week for however many months because you already know the story, you already know the pain, you already know that, and I can just immediately start to pray. If you don't have those five people that you can text, you need to find them. And let me tell you something, you need to find them now before the nightmare hits. Because you don't want to be all alone trying to figure out how you're going to go through this. And Daniel gets his buddies to pray. And so you've got to be ready for that. And, And Daniel's not just asking for prayer for him, like don't keep just us alive. He's praying for everyone. And then get this, expect the supernatural Expect the supernatural. Expect the miracle. Start to expect it. The kind of help that you could never deliver. This isn't going to happen unless God does it. I think one of the problems of Christians today is, is that we think faith is just a bunch of biblical suggestions. And if I just live by the biblical suggestions, then everything will work out all right. I don't know about you, but I want a God who is a supernatural God. A God that when I got nothing left and I don't know what to do and I don't know what's going to happen that I can call out to this God and I know but there is a God in heaven who can do something supernatural about this, right? I got nothing, God. It's got to be you right now. You're buried in debt. Your marriage is broken. Your job's been yanked out from under you. Your kid is beyond help. And when you don't have the answers, you go to God and you say, God, I know God. I think some people think that God is up there and he's just like annoyed by us. Oh, I can't believe you're finally asking me. I think God is saying, I can't, thank God you're finally asking me. He said, thank God, he's God, he's thanking himself. I don't know. But he's, he's like, I have been waiting to step in to your problem. In fact, it says in the Bible, right? You have not because you ask not. Ask, go to God, the God of the supernatural. Ask him and expect God to answer. And then last, last is worship. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and, and, and help worship us out of here. But I want you to understand that Daniel starts worshiping God in the middle of his nightmare. Daniel's had this dream. He hasn't even gone back to Nebuchadnezzar to share the dream. He's been, st- he's been up all night praying. You ever stayed up all night doing something? When you stay up all night, it's because it's important. And he's been up all night praying and Daniel gets this answer and a vision from God and he worships God before he ever talks to the king. He knows that God has the supernatural answer and that the assassins are still sitting outside of his door waiting to take him to the king. And he says, God, I worship you because I know you've given me the answer. Worship isn't just, it's not just singing songs. Worship is about focusing our eyes on God, even when you're in the middle of your nightmare. You say, God, I will worship you in this storm. I will worship you no matter what is going on. Because you are God and you, but the God in heaven, there is a God in heaven who can change this circumstance. Father, as we worship you now, God, would you, I know there are some of my friends here that are probably facing a nightmare literally right now. God, I pray that they would reach out, that they would take a deep breath, that they would not panic, God, that they would send a text and ask for some people to pray for them, Father. But God, I pray that you will reach into their lives and supernaturally show them who you are in a way that nobody else could do, in a way that only you could meet the need, God. And before you ever do that, we're going to worship you.
We worship your name, the God of heaven and earth, your son, the rock who who came and will last beyond all kingdoms of the earth. God, as your kingdom expands across the globe, we will worship you for what you've already done, for what you're doing today, for what you will do in the future. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.